Yo, 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 what's up, baby? Welcome back. Welcome to the episode of Football Without Hesitation. You look at the San Jose Earthquakes, Monterey Bay FC, Oakland Roots, all this various soccer talk. And yeah, week one, week one of the Major League Soccer season is done. It's underway. And and he did it, yo. The fucking madman did it. Matias Almeida. Once again, four fourth year in the league is like, oh, you think you think I'm done confusing you? I got one more up my sleeve at least. <laughs> and the Quakes go out and play a stinker at home and lose three to one to New York Red Bulls. Talk about that. And then um most of the time though, this episode, I'm gonna be talking about Monterey Bay FC. I, I said I was gonna preview the whole team. I know I talked uh, last week. I talked a little bit about what the what the league was and who who the owners in the front office kind of thing was. But now I really want to get into the nitty gritty of who these players are, who we might see on the pitch, where and what experience they bring. Let's talk about. So uh, this week we're going to go through the defenders and the goalkeepers. I'm including the goalkeepers in defense, not only because I mean just talking about two goalkeepers that that I can only stretch it so much, but also, the season starts next week, dude. Next fucking Saturday, March 12th, first match ever from Monterey Bay FC. Fucking excited. And every day, I get more and more anxious and excited. Uh, here, some some cool people, myself included, and Salinas have started a supporters group called Fuerza Unión. If you want to check out what we're doing, uh, go check us out on Instagram at Fuerza Unión Club. Yeah, we'll be at XL every away match. Every away match will be streaming it at XL, hanging out there, drinking beers, partying it up. Also, hopefully, when once the stadium opens up on May seventh, we can we'll meet up at XL, drink some beers, and then take an uh, Uber XL or or a little van over and keep the party going and and support the boys, the lads, the lads. We have our own lads now. <laughs> But anyway, let's talk let's talk about the the OG lads. The the ones that play in Major League Soccer. San Jose Earthquakes again. Super exciting. New season starting. Fourth season with Matias Almeida at the helm. A lot of questions. That's just the earthquakes, man. There's always gonna be questions surrounding them. Uh, at least with this current ownership group. But damn, I, I don't I don't know if I mean I guess three to one is pretty not that out of the ordinary for, for the San Jose Earthquakes of the last three seasons. But, yeah, it was a home match. It was exciting. I don't know if there was any COVID restrictions attendance-wise or anything. It didn't, it didn't seem like it. Not a lot of people wearing masks. I mean, around here, especially in Santa Clara County, well, actually, I believe in the whole state or even, even nationally at this point, the, the mask mandates have been lifted, but... Again, they were very good about it. They Santa Clara County was was pretty strict about shutting down and not being able to hang out, and they did good about keeping people safe and and getting shots. Uh, again, I'm not trying to make a statement. I don't know how much better they were than other counties or whatever. But anyway, it, it was the first time in a couple of years that you had your stadium back to back to normal in a sense. You wanted to come out and make a statement. You wanted to come out and show off for the fans. And instead, they put in 
one of the worst performances in the Almeida Almeida era. I, dude, I said last week, come on, he's not going to do that 3-6-1 formation kind of thing that with Yule in the back. Like, no, he's just doing that to really to hide what he's trying. I was saying, like, I don't know why he does that. I don't know why he's trying to hide. Everyone knows what he's trying to do. But he showed me, like, yeah, motherfucker, I'm not hiding shit. What I show I'm doing, that's what I'm going to do. And, again, it was a formation with, with Yule starting at, in the middle at center back. And then to the right of him was Nathan. Like, I don't know. His explanation or, or his excuse was that he has there is no no attacking options. He has no attacking options, so he had to he had to make a formation to try to to exploit or whatever advantage he did have. Which I thought that was kind of a dig because I'm like, other than than Wando, like everybody's healthy, right? All the all the attackers you had Cowell out there. You had Espinosa out there. You had trophies out there. You had Jebo out there. You had Montero out there. To me, that that's just a total a total dig of like even my top flight team. Like I don't have a very good finisher attacker. I don't know. He hasn't been one to lose the locker room. He people, the players seem to fucking love him. So I doubt that that that's an attack on the players. But I don't know. I don't know. It, it's it, it's a tough one because I. I you know, and there was that incident where he got into a yelling match with with a fan at the end of the match, and again, like Almeida said, "Dude, you pissed off my daughter and my and my wife," and I completely understand that. If he sees them upset, I don't I don't care what the situation is. He, he's gonna get in the middle of that again. But again, it just shows the frustration. And and I guess what I, what I'm trying to get at is like, I was looking at the stats because I wanted to be like, look, dude, not only did this as a supporter, as just a, a viewer that felt like the wrong formation and, and the wrong place to to put the players. But the statistics are going to show that too. But if you look at, at the at the stats, if you just if you didn't watch the match and you didn't see the score, it looks like the Quakes, other than the shots on target, because they they did have twelve shots and only two on, on target. So so but other than that, they dominated possession. They had a great passing success rate. But everything was on their side of the pitch. Every everything was on on their side of the pitch. They never really, really threatened Red Bulls, and I I don't know. I, I I with a basic formation, I I think you have more success. It's weird. I mean, I've been one of the biggest, not a homer or a stand. That's so cool. The thing is, like the, the I'm, I'm fucking hip. That's like the first time I've used that word ever. <laughs> in the social context I remember when the fucking video came out I bought that CD man that's crazy and I don't know it's slang but anyway I, I've been a big Almeida supporter and I've said that this team has been better off with him than without him and and on and I still stand behind that and 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 then looking at the stats it it almost makes sense because you, you can, like I said you, you can see that the play is good they're they're passing amongst each other pretty well they're just not attacking the net. And I'm like, fuck, well, that's, Almeida's like, I don't have any finishers. But like I said, I, I think with, a, a again, a more, one of the more basic formations, you you would create way more opportunities. And you, you should have, New York Red Bulls is a very mediocre team, I guess. is I don't, I don't sound like a dick. Plus, again, I don't follow the Eastern Conference very as closely as the Western Conference, so I'm not going to say I'm a fucking Red New York Red Bull expert, but 
it's an old team been there a while but they're 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 transitioning again they, their coach has only been there a couple of years it's a it's a transition time for them as well they're not at their peak and the, again the quakes were at home it's the beginning of the season it's the first time that you have all the fans there you should have won that on emotion only <laughs> emotion should have taken you to at least two fucking goals but that formation was just it wasn't working. How are you gonna start Judson? Fucking Judson's on the bench. Judson, and and you, you got young Greg is starting. Brand new dude. Ah, I I don't know. I I don't know. It, it's difficult for me because, like I said, I, I me saying, oh, Almeida should have done this or that. Get the fuck out of here. That that dude has more soccer knowledge in his pinky nail than not. I won't say I'll ever have because I'm a bust my ass by the time i'm his age i'm gonna be as knowledgeable as him again i i let's be real i can't just come out and say that oh dude obviously you should you shift you know i don't get how montero was at the very top that makes no sense but anyway now i gotta calm myself down i'm i'm I'm, now i'm gonna get worked up and lose all all fucking control of this well in action speaking of montero that's the one that dude 90 minutes in that guy delivered as expected everything that you like that's what was upsetting man that's what oh fuck i was like he is good we we knew he was good he came over and he looks like he's gonna be good here but he's doing all that all those moves getting in position to nobody there, there's no and that's where again it's, it's so crazy because it, it's like there's no finisher but i can win but it, he, if he's at the top of the of the of the formation, then who the fuck is the finisher supposed to be? That's what I don't get when you come out that fucking weird ass formation. So so anyway, that was cool. That was a that was a big positive. It looks like Jamil Montero Montero is is gonna deliver, and as long as he stays healthy, that should be cool. And I don't know what what I made us thinking. Maybe with Nathan, dude, twenty minutes in, Nathan out. It's hard to say. Oh, because he was in the wrong formation. But, like, he was the only one coming into the week that, that was kind of a question mark because he had a tweaked knee. And it's like, dude, I don't know. It, somebody had to approve him, and somebody must have thought it was okay. And it could have been a completely different thing. That tweaked knee could have been a completely different or had nothing to do with the meniscus tear, which, I mean, come on. I, mean, I, I know very little. I think it's like a like a little jelly-like thing between your bones, right, that, that prevents them from rubbing. And that tour. So he's out for two months. And fuck, again, that's another thing I said. It's like, dude, all right, this this squad looks pretty decent, actually, unless somebody gets hurt. I was like, you take Nathan out of the picture, and all of a sudden, then it, it's scary on the defense. And what happens 20 minutes into the fucking season? You lose Nathan for two goddamn months. I want to say it, 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 you can't prevent that because it's just, and it was a non-contact injury. Like, it just happens. But... He had a tweaked knee. You know, that that was the, or the rumors. I mean, I don't know. That was the rumors coming into the season. That his knee was a little tweaked, and now he's out two months. Okay, and then, so now, here comes Saturday. You think you're going to get a break? No, you got fucking Columbus Crew coming through. Man, I wish I had one more thing there (laughs) to keep the rhyme going. But Columbus Crew, one one of the best teams on the Eastern Conference, and... They started the season like one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. <laughs> Salarayan scored. 
like he was supposed to. He assisted like he's supposed to. The team that team looks like I'm gonna say yeah, they play their own cylinders. They went with three to nothing. And here they come to San Jose. The Quakes just just got ran over at home by an Eastern Conference team and a, a better one is coming through that just steamrolled their first opponent. Which is again a perfect time for the Quakes to win four to one. Right? If there's ever a fucking time where the Quakes were just gonna absolutely demolish a team and and look like the next greatest time or next greatest time, next greatest team is when a, a good team comes in on on a roll. That'd be such a Quakes move. Um, I I don't I'm not expecting it. I if they come out in that formation again, all all they're gonna do is is defend and pray, and we're we're back to those days. I don't know. I I don't see it going any different. If if Almeida, you know, Almeida could go back to and again a four three two one, just something simple, something basic, and give that a shot. <laughs> Damn. But anyway, I I, I don't want to seem like a freaking Debbie Downer. Like I said, Montero's still there. That this team is still capable of that. I don't know. Maybe it was just one one game at full speed. They they, they just needed to click. Trying to find the silver lining here. Montero is the silver lining. Is that he's fucking good and he looks like a game changer and he has the the ability to to create some things and let the jebels and the cowls of the world score some goals. And trophies. It was trophies, man. Trophies with the fucking. I don't has the. I don't know if it has come out yet, but that's got to be a goal of the week candidate. Come on, that's fucking cool. Unless they think it was just a fluke, but I saw, I was right there. He done did that. But anyway, good luck to the Quakes. I'll be there. I'll be there again on Saturday. Fucking loyal. But we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. I I, I still have faith. <laughs> the great team's coming in. But speaking of great teams, man, we may have a great team being put together here in Monterey, Monterey Bay FC. So I, I want to, like I said, I, I've been wanting to go through Go through the roster, go through the players, talk about who they are, what's going on, what we can see as fans. I know, again, a lot of people, a lot of people don't follow USL Championship, especially if you don't have a team. If you don't have a team, you probably don't even know the league exists. So, and, and again, that's no disrespect. It's no disrespect to the league or to the players. I, I've said it before in this podcast. It is. Fucking exciting. I, I am excited that this team is coming here and in this league because people in this area are going to see that this exists in the United States is a second division of very high-level soccer that is professional, that is more local. It, it's in, you know, it's in markets that a lot of MLS teams are not, and it's an opportunity for, for local players to go play professional soccer and still stay at home. That's fucking awesome. So anyway, said Monterey Bay FC USL Championship. Let's go through the defenders. We're we're, we're starting starting on the right. We're going through the defenders first, and then at the end, I'll I'll talk about the two keepers. So we're starting on the right, right back. Maury, there was there's no pronunciation guide in the on the website, so I'm gonna go with with donor because it's D O N E R. I know like Donner the Donner Party is two ends. So I'm going Maury Donor. If, if I'm wrong, I'll, I'll 
I'll see if I can find a YouTube video or something where they say his name. But um, anyway, Maury Doner, right back, 27 years old, from Collingwood, Ontario, up there in, in the Great White North. Collingwood's a little small town on the lake, on the shores of Lake Huron, known for their winter snow activity. So the dude's probably, dude could probably ski. Dude's probably a dope-ass skier. And anyway, so he comes, he comes to Monterey Bay by way of the Canadian Premier League. He last played for the Halifax Wanderers. He's made 52 appearances since 2019. So, yeah, yeah, that's cool. And, again, it, it, I know it's Oh Canada. Oh, oh Canada. <laughs> Check that out, huh? Again, for those not aware, the, the, so the Canadian Premier League is, the, is basically like the M- MLS of Canada. That's their top-tier division. And if you didn't know Canada has good soccer, just look up the World Cup qualifiers in CONCACAF right now and look who's at the top. Canada's a fucking legit soccer soccer area. So yeah, so he's made 52 appearances in the top flight of the Canadian soccer. And this, this is what I found industry. Now I was, you know, reading articles about him, seeing what kind of player this guy is. And, and this guy put it together so succinctly right here. Shout out to freaking Jean-Jacques of the Northern Tribune. He, he says, last season saw a donor settle in well with, with Halifax Wanderers, leading the league in key passes, recoveries, and successful duels early on. His bombing runs down the right flank and high-energy performance were a common sight throughout the campaign, while his team leading successful duels per game saw his frequent crosses create an impressive 19 chances from open play. All told, there was no Wanderer fouled more times than donor on either end of the pitch. So automatically you can see that all right he's a defender but he's also a defender that's fast and it loves to come up the wing like okay okay that's cool that's a, again a pretty common pretty common tactic in modern modern soccer but that's exciting to hear that i mean dude he's he he led the team in successful duels he led the league in key passes recoveries and successful duels dude it, that's the Canadian Premier League. <laughs> that, that's a it's a pretty big league, and well, not team wise, but quality wise. So it's exciting to see him come. You know, that is a player that is used to play in in high quality, or uh, yeah, high quality leagues, and led the leagues in in certain categories. So anyway, that's exciting. It, it'd be cool. It's going to be cool to see uh, Mori come up. And yeah, and play on the offense there, and and try to try to create some shots on goal. And next to him, oh, and then actually, I, I forgot to mention this. This is just how I believe they're going to line up, based on where these players have played historically. So I don't know. I don't know how Frank Yallop what he's thinking, but it just this just seems like like a like a natural place for them to fit. But we all know, looking at Almeida and my theories there, how fucking wrong I could be. But anyway. Next to Maury there, we have uh, Kai Green. Kai Green, again, I'm most familiar with him because he was playing Oakland Roots last season. And he's from South Orange, New Jersey. He went to Columbia High School and Seton Hall University, both in South Orange there. Dude, it's fucking crazy. You go on Google Maps and shit, and Columbia High is right down the street from Seton Hall University. I actually did a, a distance measurement. The, the soccer pitch at Columbia High is exactly one mile away from the soccer pitch at Seton Hall University. So Kai Green, not only was he born 
in South Orange. He went to high school there and went to fucking university there. Like if this dude is not in the South Orange Sports Hall of Fame, they're messing up. They must not have one if he's not in it, but he's got to be in there. So after he graduated from Seton Hall, he went to Germany to go trial for some teams out there. Didn't really work out. He came back to the United States and he signed with Rio Grande Valley, USL Championship. And he's been in the USL Championship since. He's, he's uh, again, he last played for Oakland Roots last season. He's made 142 appearances in USL Championship. 142 appearances. And again, if you look at last season at Oakland's season, one of the big reasons why they were able to make it into the playoffs in their first season ever in the USL Championship is because they had a solid defense led by Kai Green. Kai Green was there. Kai Green was, you know, when players were scrambling, he was that, that calming presence in the box. And yeah, you have no idea that that's a a good amount of experience. And again, I'll get into why that is even more important based on who the starting keeper might be in a bit. To the left of Kai there, or Green, to the left of Green, we got Hugh Roberts, a center back, uh, 29-year-old center back from only Maryland. This is a suburb of Washington, D.C., he, dude, Hugh Robert, this guy's fucking cool, man. This guy is very active, not just on the pitch, but also outside of it. In 2020, he helped establish the USL Black Players Alliance. And again, that's just trying to get more awareness of, you know, to get try to get more black athletes playing soccer. And on top of that is also getting in positions of like front office positions and coaching and all that. Fucking awesome. Fucking awesome. I want to I want to get that dude on. I mean, all of these guys. I want to get all these dudes on the podcast, but I think Hugh Roberts really got has some interesting go- things going on, and I, I'm excited to try, try to try to reach out to him. Like, come on, dude, you're right down the street. Anyway, and Hugh, dude, Hugh's got 209 total appearances in USL Championships. This dude has nine, nine playoffs appearances and two goals. I mean, he's a center back, so you don't expect too much, but nine playoff appearances and two goals in those matches. Uh, again, he's from the Washington DC area. He's been playing there for for most of his career. You know, he's played for team, you know, Bethlehem Steel, Pittsburgh Riverhounds. These are big time uh, lower division teams in the United States. So so this guy he's played he's played for some solid teams. Again, that's 209 appearances and 142 appearances for Green. He had over 300, you know, almost 400 appearances between the two defenders in front of, uh, again, who maybe I think it's probably going to be Dallas J, the starting keeper. That that's big time, dude. That is huge. That that's a, a lot of that's a big veteran presence. And then also another uh, center back is Sam Strong. Sam Strong from Santa Barbara. What's up, dude? Central California represent. And six three. He's a six foot three, hundred eighty five pounds. Man, dude, big. Played for Santa Barbara, uh, UC Santa Barbara for two years. <laughs> he was. I mean, I don't mean to laugh. I, I'm sure this is not a laughing matter for him, but he was actually kicked off the team because apparently, like, there was a a parking parking person trying to trying to put a boot on his car, and he jumped in his car and drove away. And yeah, that's a big no no. So anyway, I mean, whatever, dude. You're young, you do stupid shit. And 
so he finished off his career at Coastal Carolina. He has 26 overall appearances in USL Championship. He signed. He was uh, with Fresno FC from 2017 to 2019. That's when uh, Yallop was 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 there also coaching. So he might have a Yallop might have some experience with him there. Strong was actually like last playing in the NISA, which is the third division below USL Championship. So yeah, so I'm sure he's excited to to make the bump up to another another higher division and he gets to be back home. Well, not back home, but I mean, he's what three hours away from Santa Barbara. So his family or whoever could come up and see him play, or he could go down there and visit him and shit should be cool. All right. And uh, on the, on the left side, the left back, we got Grant Robinson, 23 year old from Columbia, Maryland played at uh, George Mason university, five, eight, one sixty two. Shout out. That's that's me. Except for the 162 part. I'm 5'8", dreaming of 162. (laughs) Um, If you look on Transfer Market, Transfer Market has him as a defensive midfielder. They have him as a defensive midfielder, but if you go on the Monterey Bay FC website, they have him listed with the defenders. So I put him with the defenders. He played uh, with Las Vegas Lights when Frank Yallop was was managing them. And Frank played him mostly in the midfield. So he, I don't know. I'm assuming that's probably going to happen. So he's probably going to be like a defensive midfielder. He, they have him as left back or they have him in the, on the defender thing on the roster in, on the Monterey Bay FC website. So I'm going with that. But yeah, tw- again, like I said, 20, he has 25 USL appearances, 16 of them in Las Vegas lights with Frank Yallop. He was a former member of the DC United Academy. Another another freaking solid defensive piece. 23 years old, so he's young. This guy still has potential to grow. Frank is familiar with him, and, and he sees something in him, so you know, he's part of the defensive squad. The the newest signing, man, this guy's not even on the website yet. This guy, he's not on the website. Is um, Hiro Barriga Toyama. Hiro, yeah, Hiro is born in Panama City but raised in Japan. 26-year-old left back. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see because, again, Grant Robinson, he's young. Frank's got experience with him. But Hero, Hero's a, another one of this guy. When when you read kind of profiles or you read, you know, whatever articles you can find about him, it's like, oh, this guy is dope because he fucking loves to fly down the wing and as a defender, you know, work on the offensive side. And it's like, okay, you got – you got donor on one side, on the right that loves to run and is fast and loves down t- to go down the wing. You have hero on the left side that loves to run and go down the wing. So it's like okay, I could see those two dudes, you know, at the edge of the formation coming up, and when they're on offense coming up pr- impressing. So that that's how that's what I would see. That that's how I see the the, the back four: donor, Green, Roberts, Toyama. And if and if that's it is it, damn, that's a really, really solid back line. And yeah, you have a lot of experience. I, I don't know. It's it's the first match ever, so you you can't, you know, you you can you know about Yallop's experience, you know about his history, but a lot of these players do have experience, but haven't played together. And some of them are coming up from other again. Canadian Premier League, USL League One. 
So, it, it, again, it, it's still a lower division, but it's a much faster game. Dude, I, lo- I love soccer. I love American soccer. But like I've said before, USL League 1, you can really see that that it's it's a lower division. You could, again, it's, it's a lot slower, I guess, than, than like Major League Soccer. And but then you watch USL Championship, and holy shit, that's that's fast. The fast matches, entertaining, really tactical soccer. So so yeah, so there's no guarantee. There's no guarantee that if you're good in USL League One, that you're automatically going to be good in USL Championship. It's it's a whole different beast. So anyway, we'll we'll see how Yallop lines them up on the twelfth. A lot of experience there. A lot of experience, and. The reason why, I, again, I feel that experience is even more important is because I just feel, again, it, it seems like Dallas J will be the starting keeper. They made a, a big deal when they signed him. And and it is a big deal. This guy's fucking legit, dude. This guy's legit. First of all, he's from Danville, all right? You're a soccer player from Danville? You're, going, you're on the right track already. I'm, I've said before, I'm looking at a, staring at a bobblehead, of a player from Danville, and he's the greatest goal scorer in Major League Soccer history. So, all right, Danville, Danville's got some pedigree. So he's from Danville, six foot three, one eighty, big dude, tall dude. He played at South Florida and Xavier University. He's made three appearances in USL, so he doesn't have too much USL experiences. But what he does have is sixty three USL League One appearances. He's the 2020 and 2021 USL League One Goalkeeper of the Year and the Golden Golden Glove winner. He won the 2020 USL League One Championship with Greenville Triumph. That year, they were perfectly named. And in 2019, he had 13 clean sheets. The dude is a stud. The guy is is legit. Like I said, again, all that success is in League One, but come on. Come on. This ain't no fluke. This isn't one good season. The dude's dominated the league every season he's been there, and we got him. <laughs> and he's playing for, for Monterey Bay, man. That this You know, Dallas J, 28 years old, which, again, for a goalkeeper, that's barely hitting your prime, if if that. So, so yeah, it's a great opportunity for him to showcase his ability on a higher level. And, again, dude, San Jose Earthquakes are, are right down the way. I know they got JT Marcinkowski, which is one of the better young keepers in Major League Soccer, but all it takes is to get their attention. You don't necessarily have to end up there, but you're that much closer. Now the people are going to be eyeing you. Now when the Clevelands, Clevelands? The fuck? <laughs> when the New York Red Bulls and the Columbuses of the world come by, they might send a scout down. They might, you know, they play they play up in San Jose on Saturday. They send a scout down to Seaside. I don't know. I don't even know if that's how it works. <laughs> but anyway, that's exciting though. That's exciting. And backing up, not even backing up again. Like I said, I don't know the depth chart. I don't know what's what. But the the second keeper is Rafael Diaz, 30 years old, from Patterson, New Jersey. He's a Dominican international, but grew up, again, in in Patterson. He plays for the 
Dominican Republic national team. Los Quisqueyanos, baby. Apparently, that's what they go by, Los Quisqueyanos. He played college ball at St. John's. That's what's cool, man. All these guys are all college educated. That's fucking awesome. And six foot tall, 171 pounds, a lot more experience, 46 USL championship appearances, most of them with New York Red Bulls too. Again, New York Red Bulls talking, (laughs) they speak the shit out of the quakes. And, And again, because they're part of that Red Bulls family, that Red Bulls system, he was part of that. You know, he, he learned everyone is trained in order to, to become a player for the first team in Germany. And so everyone gets that experience. You know, it's not like they're all in, oh, you just get the name. No, you were part of the Red Bull system. He actually, in 2017, he signed an MLS contract with Red Bulls after two seasons in Red Bulls 2. Didn't make any appearances, but... Again, just to be called up to the big show, there must have been something in there. He he spent the last several seasons with Sacramento Republic, nine clean sheets and 27 appearances. He For a couple of years there, he was also mostly the backup. In 2020, he had a freaking, it was his breakout year. 2020, he took over. He was, you know, he was the backup to, to the starter. I, I'm blanking on the guy's name, but that guy got injured. And he comes in, Diaz comes in and just locks down the position and says, yo, I'm the starter from here on out. He was staying there. He, he was, it looked like that was his spot to to keep. But it's so crazy because all of a sudden the, the his backup and Diaz himself were gone from Sacramento Republic. I'm like, what the fuck happened? You just, just purged all your keepers? Well, it turns out they signed a guy named Carlos Saldana from uh, the Chivas de Guadalajara U20s. So I think this guy kind of locked down the position. So so again, that that's where, that's not a guarantee that Jay is going to start. Rafael Diaz has, has fucking pedigree as well. And that's the second time in this podcast I've, <laughs> I've used that word. But again, he's got, he's a veteran, veteran USL experience. That might win out. That might win out. If not, he is a, literally a veteran backup but anyway that's that's the team that's that's the or the defensive side of the team next week i'll go over the middle the midfielders and the forwards i know that one's probably gonna it's gonna be a lot more compressed but season start baby march 12th march 12th the the season is on and we'll see we'll see what what they really can do for now if hey again actually if you have any questions let me know at FWH Podcast on Instagram. Send me a message if you have any questions about this team that, that I can try to get answered for you. And yeah, if not, we'll catch y'all next week. Peace.